Jesse was a band geek in high school and rejected by many. He was a performer at heart and found dance as a way to be accepted. His talent found him working with the likes of Justin Timberlake, Rihanna, and Channing Tatum. And now he runs Worldwide Dance Challenge. But his faith journey was a little bumpy at times. Today he shares the struggles and the triumphs of his journey. Let's do a background check on Jesse Paul Smith. Let's go! Have you or someone you know had your life turned upside down because of your past? Of course I have! Everyone does background checks now, which makes it hard to bounce back. What do you believe? I believe your background shouldn't hold you back. It, sh it should pay you back. This podcast will inspire you, motivate you, and inform you with everything you need to rise above your past and, and not be afraid to say, go, go ahead, check my background. My name is Jaden Gum, and this is Background Check. You already know. Let's go. You can check my background. I'm a forgiving felon, so tell them that I won't back down now. You can bet I won't live in regret. It's time to earn some respect. You are tuning in to Background Check. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Background Check Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Gum, and this podcast is brought to you, as always, by Forgiven Felons, helping people with the past realize their future. If you or your organization would like to sponsor an episode of the show, let me know. We can get you a shout out in here, too. But if you want to know more about Forgiven Felons, including uh, their plans to open up a resource center to facilitate more growth and education and everything for men and women coming out of prison, or you have a loved one in prison who needs a place to parole, please visit the website at ForgivenFelons.org. Thank you for tuning in today, whether you're a longtime listener or this is your very first time here at Background Check. We like to share stories in a couple different ways. Background Check has always had a negative connotation. It will keep you from getting a place to live. Uh, credit, it will affect your credit. When people do a credit background check, you can't buy things, get loans. It has such a negative story. But we like to share stories in a different way. We have stories of wrongly convicted um, people like Richard Miles from episode two, where he rose above a background that was created by false and coerced testimony. He spent 15 years in prison as a result, but now has miles of freedom and helps thousands of people all over Dallas. We have stories of organizations like Life Giving Life, Anticipate Joy, uh, judges, lawyers who help people with backgrounds that include incarceration and addiction. Then most of our stories are people who have risen above their their background, something in their past, whether it was addiction, incarceration, or just straying from what they knew was right. I'm very honored each time a guest allows me to dig into their background to see how far they've come and all they've overcome to be the person they are today. So today we speak with Jesse Paul Smith. I'm, I met Jesse at a John Maxwell uh, certification conference back in 2019. When he was on stage, sleeved out with tattoos, wearing a red jacket with ripped jeans, dancing for over 3,000 people dressed in business attire. His dance moves took me back to my younger years, the Cabbage Patch. And I mean, he wasn't doing the Cabbage Patch, but that's what I used to do, the Cabbage Patch, the running man. But his energy filled the room and had these all these professionals on their feet. Jesse's had some highs, lows, and regrets in his life, but his faith in God has always kept him centered. I've gotten to know him over the last year or so, and he's just an incredible guy. He's a speaker, coach, and and earlier this year, uh, or earlier last year, in March, April, he began Worldwide Dance Challenge uh, right when COVID hit. 
it's an online dance off that is is gaining so much momentum. They also offer online uh, dance classes for all ages. The link is going to be in the show notes at forgivenfelons.org background check. And you can catch him at Summit Fest live in New Orleans next month. He's also the host of My Creative District podcast. It's a great podcast, especially if you're creative. So if you know a creative, push pause and send this, copy this link and send it to him right now. Also, I'm going to give you a little, give away a little bit of the episode. If you know someone who's suffering from depression and has the occasional suicidal thoughts, send it to them as well. Now, let's get to this interview of this amazing man. Jesse Paul Smith, welcome to Background Check Podcast. Hey, man. Thanks. It's a pleasure being here. Man, it is so, I'm so excited because, uh, you know, we've been following each other on Facebook for a while, but I got to see you in person, live and thriving at the uh, John Maxwell uh, IMC in August, on August 26th, that weekend of, um, of 2019. And that was the first time I got to, I got to see, and, and, I, and saying the word see is kind of uh, doing a disservice to you. It's kind of like, I, that's the first time I got to experience who Jesse Paul Smith is. Dude, you were incredible. I mean, I was thinking back to my running man days and cabbage yeah. patch days. <laughs> yeah, man. There you go. And, and I was thinking, my goodness, this guy makes me look so uh, <laughs> amateur. And I wasn't amateur, but but man, um, you know when you when you you had your red jacket on uh, that year. I think it was red. It was red and black. You you, you love yeah. red. You look great in red and black, by the way. Um, <laughs> You rolled your uh, you rolled your sleeves up. You had all these tattoos, and I'm like, I don't know this guy's story, but I like his tattoos, and I like where he's, I like his vibes, and I got to meet you that year, and uh, it's been a pleasure just getting to know you through social media as well, not knowing your whole story, you know. I just thought, okay, I just I know another celebrity, you know, and uh, <laughs> I don't know if and, I'd call myself that, but all right. <laughs> Background check podcast, man. What we're all about is just doing a background check on people. Background check has such a negative connotation to it. Yeah. You know, uh, when somebody says, I'm going to run your a background on your credit, I'm going to run a background on your criminal history. I'm going to run a background check on all the, it's like such a negative connotation. And, and so I, I want to flip that on its head and, and give it a, give it a positive connotation. And so Man, we've interviewed people with wrongfully convicted people, rightfully convicted people. We've interviewed judges, parole lawyers, people that help people that have had backgrounds. But what I like is that it's we're not limited to people with a criminal background. I think everybody at one point in time could potentially be imprisoned by an emotion. Oh, 100%, man. 100%. Imprisoned by a behavior, by finances. And so, you know, I, I made the comment one time that sometimes I feel like I'm, I'm still in prison because everybody around me still seems like they're locked up. Mm -hmm. And the one thing I knew in prison, the actual prison was that everybody that everybody, I always said, all right, all these people that are here with me in prison are doing my prison time with me. But then I get out and I'm looking around like, man, I still feel like I'm around a bunch of inmates. And that offended somebody one time. They're like, what do you mean? I said, well, cause you're, you're locked up in bitterness. You're locked up in doubt. You're locked up in unbelief. You're, 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 you're in prison. And so 
I got to know your story a little bit. I haven't heard it from you personally uh, outside of uh, outside of um, technology, but it's an honor to have you on the show today to talk about you know who you are now, the dream you had as as a young kid, and how you've always pursued it. But some things happen along the way yeah. that um, that detoured but didn't sidetrack. So just take a few minutes and tell us what you do. Tell us everything you do now and how exciting it all is. And we'll we'll touch a little bit more about it, how pe people can learn more about that later. But just who you are now and what you do now. Yeah. Before I do that, I just want to say this. You know, you mentioned the fact that a background check has such a negative connotation. But the funny thing is, is you can't get a credit card unless you have some history. Right. You can't True. get approved for anything unless you have a history. And I think the thing that we need to remember is sometimes our history is what makes us valuable. So and good. that's one of the things that I love about what you're doing with your podcast is you're allowing people to do, you know, to prove what the word of God says is that he will take our ashes and make them beautiful. Yeah. Um, yeah. He can take our messed up stuff and the messed up stuff that's in our background is the very thing that's going to give us credit to move forward with the purpose that he's put in our life. So I think uh, what you're doing is, is super, super awesome. But uh, a little bit about where I'm at right now. So I am co-founder of a dance competition, online dance competition slash so-called the worldwide dance challenge being streamed in 120 different countries. And, uh, you know, we're, we're making an impact. We've had dancers from four different continents compete on the show. And along with that, I coach performers how to build a platform around their passion that they can monetize and make an impact with it. And man, it's, it's, uh, it's an absolute blast. Um, I wake up every single day hungry, scared out of my mind because uh, every single time I take a look at this and say, oh my gosh, this is this is way bigger than what I'm capable of doing. And, uh, but man, it, it's, it's so good. It's a good scared. It's a good scared. And we have a lot of stuff uh, building around this, around this show, around this vision. So many people getting behind it that, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's just proof that when we do what we've been purposed to do, that, uh, you know, God will bring all of the resources, all of the things that we need around us. And, you know, I spent many years, you know, consulting businesses, building a, a, a sales and leadership development company. We were good at it, but bro, did I, I never got the kind of acknowledgement, the kind of, the kind of people that are coming around me now that right. I mean, people are raising their hands are like, Hey, I want to, I want to come and, and, and hang with you. I want to come and, you know, be a part of what you're doing. And I'm like, I'm like this small guy on, you know, the, the totem pole. We got people that are like eight figure, nine figure businesses that are saying, Hey, let me, let me just come alongside you. And so, uh, it's a lot of fun and, uh, you can check it out at worldwide dance If you're a, if you're a fan of dance, even my business partner, he's not a dancer, but he'll say he's a fan girl of dancing. He does the finger <laughs> really, really well. Uh, but it's a lot of fun, man. That is, that is awesome. Now, well, so let's, let's dig, let's dig into your background, you know, uh, because you are a full on creative and, and I say that because I'm a closet creative. I like to, I like to <laughs> dance. I like to dance around the, the creative world a little bit, but you are full on creative and I've seen you work your, your dance skills. Uh, Jesse, you're, you're incredible. When I saw you on stage, 
I mean, I'm not even a fan of dancing, but I know good dancing when I see it. And I know great, (laughs) and I know great dancing when I see it. And, and it was just, you really did. I want to say the reason I say experience it because you had that room and I know you'd already done it a year before that. Uh, but you had that room full of CEOs from all over the world on their feet and and not just CEOs, but anybody who, everybody from the business world, coaches, trainers, people that were trying to learn. You had us on our feet because of your dance moves. And it it was incredible. And I think you do the moonwalk way better than, than even Michael Jackson does. But, um, but if, if listen, guys, if you think I'm just joking, if you uh, do, you have a YouTube channel or anywhere they can see videos of you, or so it's interesting because I am the worst promoter of myself. Yeah, uh, I do a way better job promoting other people, which is why my show is far more successful than anything I've ever yeah. done because it's about everybody else. You can find uh, I know that the John Maxwell team, and I mean, there's. 3000 people in a, in attendance at each conference. And, and I've been able to perform at several of them and even been over in Romania. So if you go and if you go and text or met, you know, look up Jesse on John Maxwell, Jesse Smith, John Maxwell team, you'll find it. Yeah. It's incredible. It's fun to watch. It's fun to watch you. So, you know, all right. Were you a creative coming out of your mom's womb? I mean, uh, when did all this creative dance stuff start with you, man? So man, you, you know, the interesting thing is, is that I, people call me a dancer and although I love to dance, I'm also, you know, a musician and singer. Um, I consider myself more of a performer. Uh, okay. I think if you take a look at a lot of the dancers that are out there right now, there's a lot better dancers than me. And I've had a privilege of learning from some of them, dancing with some of them, but I think my strong suit comes just in the whole performance aspect of things. And, you know, I didn't start performing per se out of my mother's womb, but not too far down the path from that, because my first concert that I ever sang at was the books, of the Bible at the age of three. Uh, and nice. you know, if you ask me to quote the books of the Bible now, I couldn't do it. <laughs> uh, uh, still, still love, still love the word, but man, I, I, I couldn't quote them all three years old. I could sing them for you. Um, and it was interesting because um, I soon became the kid that, uh, you know, that was the, you know, uh, my grandfather was the pastor at the time. And I was the, I was the kid that the little kid that could sing the books of the Bible. And I got put on a citywide uh, church tour, um, you know, at three years old, you don't know, wow. anything, but I started singing the books of the Bible at all these different churches. And, you know, all the way until I was like eight or nine years old, um, I would get calls all the time. My grandfather was really well uh, networked in the church community uh, where I'm from. And so uh, I would get calls all the time. Hey, Jesse, would you come and sing? Would you come and sing? Would you come and sing? And so, man, I just, I, I, lo- I fell in love with the stage early. I fell in love with the stage really early and, you know, continued doing music throughout I, I did band I did you know I did marching band jazz band concert band uh, and then you know played on the worship team for my youth group so definitely was was uh, a big a big performer I didn't start dancing until um later on in life I actually didn't start okay. dancing until I was 20. Okay when did when did like when you get got out of high school 
when did everything start taking off a little more for your performing? Yeah. So, you know, in high school, um, if you would have asked me, you know, I, I, I mean, I did the whole, I did the whole college thing. Cause that's what everybody told me I should do. Right. That was my dad. My dad didn't go to college. I uh, worked for the city um, that I lived in pretty much his whole, his whole career. Um, my mom was an LPN. Um, but got into a car accident in 1991. So she, you know, she was, uh, wasn't able to work, but she always can kind of encourage me. She said, Jesse, you're so good with people. You'd be great in the medical field, but become a doctor. <laughs> Don't become a nurse, become a doctor. And so, you know, all through school, I was, I knew music is what I wanted to do so much. In fact, that, you know, I, I would go around and tell everybody that's what I wanted to do. And, and let me, let me tell you, I was definitely a reject. I was a band geek. Uh, you know, I spent my first 45 minutes of my seventh grade class in the getting intimately acquainted with the inside of my locker. So uh, I was I was not the kid that was widely accepted. So when I told them that I wanted to do music, kind of like back in the day, NSYNC and Backstreet Boys, they all yeah. laughed and told me, that, first of all, you need to actually look good to do music that way. So it was it was I got the gamut. Right. And uh, right. but my, my head was my head was still in that direction by the end of by the end of my senior year, we were, I was in a, a, a Southern rock, Christian rock group. We were touring around the city. We actually got a record audition in front of word records um, down in Minneapolis. And we showcased nice. this. And uh, I thought this was going to be for sure. It, it was, it was going to be my dream. It was what's going to happen. It didn't go as planned. And at that time, the lead singer of the group said, listen, um, this was kind of my last shot. I'm wanting to get married. The, the father of, my fiance thinks I'm a loser wannabe rock star. And so he's not going to let me marry my sweetheart unless I go get uh, a real job. So I'm going to go to college. So he quit the group. Wow. Um, and so then our band kind of disbanded and I kind of got, I kind of got really frustrated. I, I got, I got really, you know, when you, when, when things don't go your way, it's a lot easier to blame other people than it is to take a look at yourself. And so um, I kind of shook my fist at uh, God and said, all right, well, I don't like how you're doing this. I'm going to go do it my way. You know, so I, I went and started hanging out with a different group of people. Cause when I was in, when I was in this band, I mean, we practiced five, six nights a week. Those were my homies. Those were the people that I hung out with. Those were who I, you know, I was living with my lead guitarist at the time. And I started hanging out with a different group of people and I didn't come up in Michael Jackson. I, I, came up in a group, you know, a Christian family. We listened to Twyla Paris. We listened to Carmen. We listened <laughs> yes. to Sandy Patty. You know what I mean? Ru like, Rust Half. You know who Rust Half is, right? <laughs> that's right. Maybe an occasional striper and in the 90s, like oh, a yeah. white heart. Um, but oh, like, yeah. You know, I would get I would get in trouble if, if I got caught listening to striper. Uh, <laughs> that's that's how that's how legalistic my my family was they were like yeah so i mean you and, know and amy amy grant you forgot about amy, amy grant. grant yeah yeah that's right that's so true uh <laughs> michael w smith we're gonna go on we're gonna go on a, a road trip here um but listen uh so I, I started hanging out with these new group of kids and and they started talking to me about this this club that they would go to dry night because i wasn't 21 at the time and they said, why don't you come? And I, you know, I had done martial arts for a long time. I had recently stopped doing that as well, but I had learned a lot of, you know, hand-eye coordination and obviously musicality. I, I walked into a club and I started seeing all of these people do this dance stuff that I'd never seen before. And I was like, yo, this is super dope. Like I, I want to know what these guys are doing. So that's what I did. I literally walked up there and I'm like, just started watching them. 
And then I started trying to mimic their movements and they were cool. Like they're, they, they started to kind of like show me this stuff. And so then I got started to get really fascinated and, you know, we couldn't afford, um, I was still, uh, I was back living with my parents at the time. Didn't, my parents didn't have a ton of money, so they didn't have cable. So we didn't have MTV, but we did have a 56 K dial up and Yahoo. Wow. That was free, baby. <laughs> so I would pull up that, I would pull up that site and I would type in music videos. Cause at that time Yahoo had music videos on there. So I would watch Usher. I would watch Justin Timberlake and NSYNC. And that's how I started learning how to dance as I'd watch those music videos. You, you know, that whole like load and then go yeah. cook dinner, <laughs> go do your laundry. Yep. It three hours to load. <laughs> These Ooh, young kids don't know that. Nah, they don't know what we're talking about, man. They get mad if they're, if the video takes five seconds to load. <laughs> um, so I'd move all the furniture and I started, you know, started learning how to dance and man, um, I started going to clubs like uh, there was different clubs around that I could go on when and I had drinks. So it was, it was Wednesday night, Thursday night, uh, Friday night, Saturday night. So I would go while everybody was clubbing drinking, I was going to these clubs to dance cause they have free DJ free space. Cause I couldn't afford dance lessons. Yeah. I started just dancing, uh, you know, 20 hours a week. Wow. Uh, and, and that's really how I started to hone my dance skills and uh, that's really where everything got really serious and got started for me. At some point, you had a you had a chance to audition for something pretty big. Tell us about that. Yeah, so I um, it's crazy. So I actually went to I I got scouted because I was at a club down in Minneapolis, and I got scouted to kind of go to an audition. And there's a lot of these. I, I don't know about anymore, but there there's a few of them. But there was a lot of them that would be put on by these these agencies, but right. what the auditions were, were really for you, for them to sell you on their services for right. like booking you or, you know, they would, they would do your photo shoots and they would do all this stuff. So the package would be like 1600 bucks for you to get like their photo shoot and all that kind of stuff. So they, they weren't a real agency. They were trying right. to, trying to make money, but this lady was super cool. Cause she, I show up to this audition and I audition, I sing for her, I play my guitar, I dance, and she looks at me and she goes, and I, first of all, I didn't have the money for this audition. Um, they let me come in for free. So she looks into me and she goes, you're super talented and I have nothing for you here. Wow. She goes, you're too talented to be in what we're offering. There's another audition that I think you need to go to. And I was like, oh? Wow. And so she tells me about this audition down in Orlando, Florida. I look into it. She goes, here's the thing. The audition is going to cost you 1100 bucks. Um, and then you need your flight down there. So by the end of the, by the end of the time, it was like 16, $1,700 that I was going to need to get to this audition. And, uh, I didn't have that kind of money. Uh, I grew up in a family that my dad didn't make over 30 grand his entire, you know, his entire year working for the city of Duluth. And my mom was on disability. So we didn't make a lot of money. And I had that poverty mentality that, well, I don't have a lot of money. Money's hard to come by. You know, we're just not lucky to have those kind of resources. So I thought to myself, I don't know how I'm going to make, how I'm going to make it do. But I ended up meeting somebody along the way that, that taught me how to develop a plan and he held me accountable. And I was able to earn enough money to get to the audition. Nice. And I went down to the audition 
and I was scared out of my mind. There was 1,500 dancers. You know, it was a cattle call. And this was like an audition for actors, singers, comedians, like dancers, everything. And <clears throat> I'm a street dancer kid. Like I took one dance class or two dance classes prior to getting there. But it was like in, in not where you go in and learn a piece of choreography that class and like and perform it. It was like we learned one piece of choreography over like seven, six months, right? So wow. I wasn't I wasn't accustomed to picking up choreography really quick. Um, I go down there. I find out one of somebody that a choreographer that did work with Michael Jackson is the choreographer for this piece. Wow. And you got all these studio uh, dancers down there that are used to picking up choreography like crazy and how that works is they walk you into that you learn the choreography for 45 minutes and then the next day you perform it in front of the judges so I first get into this place and the and the, the 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 hotel is like nothing I've ever seen before again when my, my mom and dad when we would take road trips we either did a pup-up uh, camper you know pup tent camper or we would even sleep in cars or it was cockroach motel, right? It was, it was nothing, no, no resorts were ever in our vacations, but this was a nice resort. And I walked in the chandelier is huge. It looks like I'm walking into a palace. I had never seen this before. The pool has like waterfalls going into hot tubs and you know, crazy stuff. And I'm like, this is nuts. So I'm just like completely mind blown, ready to like take in the festivities and then I go in and, and my audition or my, my time to learn the choreography just happened to be about 30 minutes after I got to the hotel. So I walk in, I do the choreography and I'm like, I go through the class and I'm like, oh, this is, this is, this isn't good. I'm frustrated. And um, I could see everybody else getting the choreography. I was struggling. I mean, hmm. I was struggling. And the choreographer actually saw me and he comes over and he says, you doing all right? I'm like, yeah, I'm just super frustrated. I spent a lot of money to get here and I feel like I'm, I'm going to be, I, I just, I'm not getting the choreography. He goes, here, let me do this. And he walks over and he, at this time he had CDs. Okay. <laughs> so this is 2005. So he hands me a CD and he says, this is the song. Take the boom box right there and just work on it. So man, I took that boombox and I took that CD and this hotel, the, the, the hallways had hallways, had more hallways. Wow. It just looked like a chasm. I found a place like this little cutout corner and everybody was partying. Everybody was having a hard, a good old time. I mean, there was probably 4,000, 5,000 people there auditioning for various things. And while everybody was having a good time, I sat in that corner and for 10 hours that day, I just went over the choreography over and over and over and over and over again until my body hurt. I was like, I spent too much money. I worked too hard to get here. This is like my one shot. Yeah. And so spent the whole day learning the choreography, <clears throat> got some rest, woke up the next morning by the grace of God, auditioned in front of the, uh, in front of the um, judges, got top five males out of 1,500 dancers. Wow. Got to dance on stage in front of 5,000 people. And everybody from MTV, Caribbean Cruise Line, Walt Disney, every major dance industry or agency, several modeling agencies all hit me up and said, we want you. So I basically got to choose where I was going. So how did your life change after that? Uh, well, you know, you always think that when you, you're looking for this big break, 
you're looking for this one big break and you think that if you get over this one hurdle, everything's going to be so much better. And I thought my life was made like I had all of this stuff. And so I wish I would have made things change. uh, I would have done things differently. One, I got offered by Disney to be a dancer on their cruise line. Knock, knock, knucklehead. Go take that job. Wait, 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 wait. Disney offered you a cruise line offer to to dance for them. Okay. And yeah. you said you said no because you had a better offer, right? Well, I thought <laughs> I had a better offer. So being ignorant, didn't do any research. I said, I just want to go to LA. My my mind was I wanted to be big time. I wanted to be on music videos. I wanted to do all these things. So I signed with MSA, which was a dance agency. They have arms you know, they're a big dance agency. And so I was out in LA doing that, but they, they don't pay you anything to be out there. It's just, right. they're going to send you to all these auditions. Disney is going to pay you a salary. Wow. You're wow. going to learn. You're going to learn with choreographers all the time. You're going to, you're going to travel the world on their dime, wow. all getting paid for this stuff. That would have been training ground for me to do that and then go out to LA. But no, yeah. no. I wanted the fast track. Let me tell you, anytime you're trying to get there fast, you're probably doing it wrong. Wow. So good. Anytime you're trying to do it fast, you're probably trying to do it wrong. So I bypass what I should have done and I go to LA and I grinded it out. But here's the thing. My mind was not ready for it. It was culture shock. I went from a city of 25,000 people to 8 million. Wow. You know, I went from, nobody doing what I'm doing to there's 250,000 people trying to pine for my job. Right. And, and very talented people on top of that. And so I went out there and yeah, I did some things. I mean, I got a, I got a, I got to do a Pepsi commercial with Justin Timberlake. I got to do uh, uh, I got to do a, a Nike promotional with Rihanna and, and all of wow. Madonna's dancers got to do work with a lot of the cats that were in step up. Um, I even did, uh, a commercial with Channing Tatum, Mario and, and, and Sierra and all those people on the original step up. Like I was starting to make some moves, but here's the thing. I said it before my mind wasn't ready for it. Yeah. I was battling depression. I was in the middle of dancing with all of these big stars and I was battling depression. So was, why, how are you battling depression? You're living your dream, right? So what, what, what's going on that you're having a battle of depression while you're living your dream? So your dream is never supposed to be about you. That's good. And my dream was all about me. And when you make it all about you, I'll tell you that no matter where you're at in the pursuit of that dream, it will never be where you want it to be. So and good. you always feel like you're failing. I didn't have the support system around me. We had a bunch of people that, you know, again, a bunch of young, inexperienced, un, unmentored uh, people in the entertainment business that have been taught that it's all about them too. Yeah. So you got people that are not trying to help you get jobs. You got people that are secretly trying to sabotage you from getting the job because they think that you're the one that's going to take the job from them. I, and I thrive on acceptance. I thrive on connecting with people. I love people. And when I was always feeling like I was getting stabbed in the back or that somebody was doing something behind my back because they didn't want me to be included because they were afraid that I was going to take their job or whatever the deal was, it was just so toxic for me. And my mind and my heart was not ready for it. Yeah. And so 
um, I had a really, really interesting moment. My, my mom and dad are missionaries and they called me and they were getting ready to go to the mission field in Malawi. And they said, Jesse, we want you to come back and uh, help us get our estate ready before we move to, Mal to Malawi. And I was like, no, that ain't happening. Like, you want me to live, leave my dream and come back to where nothing's going on. Now, here's the interesting thing. You will always fight the help you desperately want when you're not willing to admit you need the help. Wow. That's so good, Jesse. So I wanted somebody to want me, but I wanted to make it sound like I was, I was okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but a friend of mine gave me a call who was running from his own problems. He was sitting on a dock in Mississippi. He was doing storm chasing work. He's one of the most talented drummers that I know. He called me, he said, Jesse, what are we doing? I said, what do you mean? He had no clue about the conversation I had with my mom, literally Jay, five minutes earlier. Wow. I just told my mom, no. He calls me. He says, Jesse, what are we doing? He says, we're blowing our talent. There's so much more to be done with our talent. There's so many people that we can impact with our talent, but we're making it all about us. What are we doing? And man, I can't explain it to you other than that I know that God intervened. And I literally got off the phone with him. I called my mom. I said, give me 30 days and I'll be home. So I, I called my agency. I said, I'm just going to be gone for three months. Just put my auditions on hold. I'll be back. I mean, there was so many distractions that could have kept me from going. It, there's only, it was like somebody put blinders on me, man. And I just, I just lowered my head. I was working at, uh, I was working at Saddle Ranch Steakhouse at the time. I picked up every shift I possibly could and, and just saved up as much money to get home, packed up my car and I drove all the way home. This is how on, like how focused and crazy it was from LA to, to, to my parents' doorstep is a 29 and a half hour drive if you don't stop. Gotcha. I got home in 32 and a half hours. Wow. You 32 focused. and a half hours. Just gone. But here's the interesting thing. Pull into my parents' driveway, and I'm not a car guy. I've heard that your car can, can mal, I heard your transmission can malfunction. I know your transmission can, you know, leak fluid. I know there's, there's things that can go. I've never, ever heard anybody else and when I tell people this story, they look at me and tell me it's impossible. Bro, my transmission fell out of my car. Wow. <laughs> it was so loud that my dad heard the boom. And all of a sudden he came out. He's like, what, what, what just happened? We look under the car transmission, just sitting there. Wow. And it was though somebody was telling me, listen, I got you home for a reason and you ain't going anywhere. Wow. So what during your bout with depression, I mean, what else was going on in your life was, was, um, I know, I know in your story, you talk about being suicidal at one point, almost bankrupt, you know, was all that before you came home to, to mom and dad? No. So, um, I mean, so the suicide attempt happened literally, uh, just a few months, uh, after being home. So obviously being stuck, being, and not having the right mindset, right? I didn't have the, the teaching, the, the know, the know how to take, you know, a situation and, and use it to my benefit. I didn't learn how to overcome obstacles the way that, that I know now because of personal growth and development. So I looked at that as I'm, there's, I'm done. There's no possible, I had, see, when you think your dream has to go a certain way, you're, you, you almost, you almost uh, make it impossible for it to come to pass. You have to, you know, I love what Paul Martinelli says. 
He says, people will fall in love with the plan and abandon the dream. So when the plan doesn't go the wow. way that they think it should, they abandon the dream because they think that, that the plan was the most important part. The plan is only to serve the dream. So, so if you can walk around with an open hand and say, hey, I don't care how we get there. We just got to get there. So if it doesn't happen this way, that's okay. Let's get, if we got to even start at square one, that's fine. Now we just know that way doesn't work for us. It doesn't mean I'm not good enough. It doesn't mean I'm not supposed to do this. It doesn't mean that I heard wrong. It doesn't mean that I'm, I'm crazy. It just means that path is not going to work for me. But because of my mindset, I thought that path isn't going to work for me. And so I was, I was struggling. I, I remember just like it was yesterday, I got in my car, uh, not my car, my parents' car, because mine didn't work. Um, and I'm driving. I was, like, you're, I was like, you may have gotten in it, but you're not going anywhere because there's <laughs> no transmission. That's right. So I get in my parents' uh, white Cadillac and uh, I drive across. There's a bridge that connects Superior, Wisconsin to Duluth, Minnesota. It's called the Bong Bridge. You know, from the bridge to the Lake Superior, and if you don't know much about Lake Superior, it's one of the coldest Great Lakes. Um, you have about 30 seconds from the time that your body hits the water before you go into hypothermia. Wow. And where this bridge was, it's about 150 feet from the bridge to the water. So if you jump, you're not going for a swim. And I remember driving over the bridge and just a lot going on in my mind and, you know, hearing conversations of people that say, you're never going to amount to anything. You're, you're not, you know, you're washed up, you're failed. I'm driving over and I remember turning around in Duluth and coming back to go to Superior. And I said, you know, I don't, if this is all that life is, I, I don't, I don't want it. And so I pulled over my parents, I pulled over my parents' uh, car. I get up on the bridge, the concrete, uh, you know, divide or, or, or rail or whatever. And I'm looking over the bridge and again, there's cars going by and, and in my mind, I'm hearing, see, you're not even worth stopping for. Wow. Yeah. You're not even worth somebody taking. Cause I mean, obviously they know that something's going on. You ain't yeah. there just yeah. observing. <clears throat> right. Right. And so cars are flying by, you know, it's 55 miles an hour on that bridge. Cars are flying by. And um, all of a sudden I can hear somebody slow down and pull over on the side of the road. And I'm thinking to myself, you know, I just, I don't want to do this anymore. You know, I figured that, I figured that my biggest fear is drowning, but because I failed, I figured that this is what I deserve, right? I, mm. I deserve uh -huh. The worst possible scenario for myself. This car pulls over on the side of the road and, and gets out and he goes, young man, can I have three minutes of your time? And I said, I don't, I don't think you, I'm not in the mood for a chit chat. Again, like I said, when we want the help the most, yeah, we'll fight it the most. When that very thing that comes to us, I really believe that pride rears its head when we want something so bad that somebody's willing to give us, but pride keeps us from taking it. Yeah. And I was, I was just fighting this. I wanted this guy to pay attention to me. I wanted somebody to tell me, Hey, listen, don't jump. Yeah. But at the same time, pride was like, nah, you don't need nobody. You got this. Like mm -hmm. life isn't worth living anyways. Nobody can change your mind. And so I, I said, I don't think you, I don't think you realize I'm not in the mood for a chit chat. He goes, all I need is three minutes of your time. And I said, bro, I, 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 nah, man, just keep going. He goes, listen, is your name Jesse? I looked wow. at that guy and I said, <laughs> who are you? He says, doesn't matter who I am. It, is your name, is your name Jesse? And I got off of that and I, I got off of the, the, the concrete um, rail and I said, man, who is this? Who put you up to this? 
because see, there was three, there was two things, Jay, that I've always wanted in my life. And that was, I wanted to do something significant. I wanted to be somebody that was significant because the ultimate thing that I wanted is I wanted somebody to love me. And I felt like if I did something significant, if I was the cool kid, then it was going to be, it would give me the, it would give me the pass to, to have somebody love me un, you know, unapologetically, just no matter what I did, I would be, I would be the, the, the apple of their eye. That's what I wanted so badly. And I thought that was really why I was out in LA because I thought if I did this, everybody would love me. Yeah. What really happened is my dream didn't die. It was that what I wanted from that dream was dying. Because I really wanted that dream to serve what I wanted the most, which was significance and love. And when this guy said my name, that I had no clue who he was, it was kind of a little sprinkle that, hey, somebody knows your name. Yeah. And you don't know anybody's name unless they're significant to you. Yeah. And so I said, who are you? And he said this, who I am is insignificant. Who you are is very significant. I said, who are you? What, what is this? He goes, can I just have three minutes of your time? I said, you got a minute and it starts now. He says, well, young man, I just need to tell you how special you are. And I said, what do you mean? He says, your name is Jesse, right? And I said, doesn't, I, I said, I, I, you're not telling me who you are. Why do I got to tell you who, who I am? He says, is your name Jesse? Just tell me that. I said, yeah, what, what is that to you? He says, well, 45 minutes ago, I was in my house praying and God told me, that there's a young man, he's driving a white Cadillac. He's on the bong bridge and I need you to tell him two things. He's significant and I love him. Wow. He's wow. And I love him. Just two things. And I said, man, who are you? He says, who I am is insignificant, young man. But you are so special that God sent somebody that you don't even know to tell you the very things that your heart wanted to hear. And he got in his car and he left. Now I've been hanging around this area for a long time. I've pretty much met everybody. I've not never, seen that guy. Never seen him. Wow. No. Wow. So what'd you do that day after he left? Man, dude, I, I got in my car and I could barely drive. I was bawling like a little baby. I knew that day that my mission changed. My mission was no longer to be famous so that somebody could love me so that I could do what my significance was going to come from was taking the message that that guy, that, that, that person that I never met gave me. And I wanted to give that message to everybody else. Wow. I wanted that message to be, it's not about my significance. It's about the fact that you're significant. It's about the fact that you're special. It's about the fact that, that, that your love. That's why I do my dance show, bro. Like that's why I do what I do. That's why I'm, I, I, I get up every single day because I'm helping people live out their significance. I'm helping people see that they're valuable. When we get to spend time with them and give them advice beyond the show, I tell them this, our, our, our support of you is going to go beyond the show. I, if, if, if it was about me, it would be about the show. Yeah but I spend time with these dancers after the show. I spend time to help them how to book gigs, how to make money, you know, uh, using their, their passion for dance, letting them know, listen, you can do this, telling them things that people never have told them before. That's to me, that's where it's all at. And, and, and because of that, 
I'm actually getting to live out my dream way bigger yeah. than I ever got to do it trying to become some famous dancer out in LA. When you took the stage at IMC, you said your skill set will make room for you wherever you'll allow yourself to be seen. You know, I'm sure you didn't think that, okay, this is, this is how I'm going to make my name, you know, go, go perform in front of uh, John Maxwell people that are getting coached and trained on how to be a coach and a speaker. As a matter of fact, man, I, I was scared to do it because when I was at the, the John, Ma the first, the first four conferences I went to, like, I just kept buying new suits. Like, I was like, well, maybe this one, this one will be a lot more impressive. This one will be a lot more impressive, you know, because I, I was, I was trying to cater to what I thought that group of people wanted. Right. I say this all the time. The problem was, is I kept buying suits and no matter how many times I got it tailored, it never fit. Oh, so good, man. And the reason for that is because so many times we take a look at somebody else's business. We take a look at somebody else's life. We take a look at a, an audience, a group of people, and we're like, I want to go serve them. But the reason why we want to serve them is not because of out of genuine servanthood. It's actually, no, I want to go into that group because I think it can serve me. Yeah. yeah, yeah. When I went into the John Maxwell team, what I really wanted, and when I first got in there, I, w I didn't realize this until then, but I wanted to serve them, you know, because there's CEOs, there's, there's, there's people that are looking for coaches, there's people that are looking for trainers, there's people that hire people that they meet at those conferences all the time to come speak at their events, train their companies, do all that kind of stuff, right? So I was like, I want to be that guy. And the thing of it was, was that I was trying to go and be somebody that was going to go appeal to them. And I would, I would meet people. Um, I would go and meet people, you know, that, that I would get along with and people would take my card. Right. But I made sure to hide all my tattoos. I made <laughs> take sure to take to take care of, you know, take out all my piercings. I didn't dress how I would, cause I normally dress like I'm, I'm a dancer, man. I'm a performer. I dress like I'm 18. So yeah. <laughs> like ripped jeans, the whole nine yards. Right. So I, I was always constantly trying to impress somebody that I was never meant to serve. Wow. And so when they asked me to dance on stage, I said, first of all, I'm not going to be able to wear a suit and dress shoes dancing. And if I'm going to dance, I got to do this right. I got to just dress the normal way that I would normally dress when I perform. Right. And they said, no, come as you are. It was interesting because I was so scared to do it because I'm like, nobody, like to me, I was walking up there to crucify myself because I'm like this, nobody is going to hire me to train their company and to do that kind of stuff after they see me do this. They'll, they won't take me serious. They'll think that it's cool. Yeah. Yeah. They, yeah. Won't, they won't take me serious, man. I got off that stage after the first time I ever performed in front of the John Maxwell team. And my connections haven't been the same since. Yeah. And it's the way that I'm able to connect with people. I don't have to hide who I am anymore. Right. I'm, That's good. I'm, and and what, what was reminded to me is that your gifts will make room for you in front of Kings. And so I realized that at that moment, that if I am just a hundred percent true to who I was designed to be, that I am going to naturally connect to the people because I believe this, Every single person, every single person that's listening to your podcast right now, you were designed to serve an audience. You were designed to make an impact. You just weren't designed to impact everybody. 
It's okay that you're not going to impact everybody. It's okay that you're not somebody's cup of tea. You weren't designed to impact them anyways. But you were designed to impact somebody. But the only way that you're ever going to make the impact you were designed to make is if you're willing to embrace who you were made to be 100%. Jesse, that is so good, man. Uh, one of the other favorite lines that I love to hear in your, in your story is, is you said, your logic is designed to keep you safe but it's also what keeps you small if you're not careful. Give us a little insight of why, why you said that, why you think that, what's your process, and what do you mean by that? You know, when I decided who I was going to be, who was going to be my ideal client, when uh, I started going into the consulting business, we, we, had, already, we had already been successful in, in ripping the roof off of our franchise business that we had and making an impact in that industry. But we wanted to, to make a wider impact. So we started going to different industries, teaching our sales process that we had learned um, and developed. So I sat and designed my ideal client. But I designed my ideal client with this, my mind, Your my mind. head. I didn't design it with my heart. So I said, I want CEOs that make seven figures, right? I want them to be able to, they got to be somebody that can afford $10,000 a month to, to bring us on to, to coach and train them right? Um, you know, I had all these logical reasons. So they, they, they needed to, you know, they needed to uh, have certain number of employees. And, you know, I, to make it sound good, I said, you know, with the heart to be able to serve. And, and I meant that, right? But the reason why I said that is because my heart was telling me all along who I needed to serve. But you know what my mind was telling me? First of all, your mind is designed, your, 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 your conscious mind is designed to acquire knowledge and to protect you. Hmm, and it's to acquire knowledge to protect you. So my mind equated the audience I wanted to serve with the industry that I had failed in. And it said, no, 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 wow. no. That makes you broke. That makes you bankrupt. That makes you broken. That makes you depressed. You do not need to go there. But what I do, what makes logical sense to me is somebody that can pay you $10,000, $20,000 to train their company. That makes perfect logical sense. Yes. Right? The, the problem was, was that, and, and we did well. That kept the dream about me. Yeah. And when the dream is always about you, it will always stay small. And safe. So, and, small, and safe. And comfortable, and safe, right? comfortable, comfort zone. Yeah. Yeah. Small and safe. And so I have realized that, you know, sitting down and answering two of the toughest questions I've, well, one of the toughest questions I've ever asked myself, and that's who do I genuinely want to serve? And it was out of where my heart wanted to go, not where my head wanted to go. Because it took me five hours of sitting in my room, frustrated, to answer that question honestly enough and to fight all the limiting beliefs because my mind said, dancers are broke. They don't have money. They don't really want what you have. All they care to make is famous. All the reasons why I shouldn't serve that audience. But see, the thing of it is, is that when your heart's in it and you're genuinely in your space, when you're genuinely in your lane, what I have found is that the obstacles are still hard, but you got more power to go through them. It's good. See, when the obstacles came hard in my sales and leadership development business, we were making money, but there were still obstacles. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I just didn't have the energy to plow through the obstacles because it's, it's, I just, it's not where I fit. Right. But because I was willing to go in that direction. And here's the thing I've heard you say this, 
there's a difference between being 99% in and 100% in. Yeah, so true. And and usually that 1% that's keeping you out of being 100% in is what I have found is when you're letting your logic get in the way of your heart. Mm. Because your logic's always going to give you that one reason why there's doubt. But man, when I was willing to go head head full in, I mean that's when that's when people saw my passion again that's when people saw oh wait this guy's really trying to do something really amazing not for himself but for everybody else i can get behind that and bro people came out of the woodwork yeah worldwide dance what what is what is it again i know you mentioned it earlier but um anybody that's interested in it how can they how can they um get involved in that yeah so worldwide more about it yeah, Worldwide Dance Challenge. They can just head to WorldwideDanceChallenge.com and uh, they can check it out. But we we are an online streaming dance show slash competition where we bring dancers in from all over the world, all different styles to compete head-to-head live online for a chance to be named the world's best. You know, it's 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 crazy. It's We, we, we have seasons much like World of Dance and So You Think You Can Dance and stuff like that. Um, but it's, uh, you know, it's, it's, a we have exhibition battles outside of the seasons and we do coaching with these dancers. We do, we help them be able to become not just better dancers, but better entrepreneurs and people that can contribute using their passion to make an impact in the world. Man, it's amazing what you're doing now. And when I think back to you being on stage, uh, when I saw you and, and how far you've come since then, how many seasons are there of worldwide dance challenge? Well, we did 50 exhibition episodes prior to doing our first maiden voyage for season one. Um, we're right in the middle of auditions for season one right now, just about wrapping that up and getting to the top 24, where it's going to be some it's going to be some fire coming out here pretty soon with these top 24 contenders. We have literally six countries represented out of the 24 dancers, and we got some fire talent that's a part of this competition. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Wow! All right. So last thing before we go, man. And I'm going to have all your, uh, the website and uh, maybe if you could send more pictures and stuff, uh, uh, we can put it on the show page. You know, you said you've, you've worked with Justin Timberlake, Rihanna, and different other, other celebrities, and you've been in that world. You mentioned even getting started, you know, having to actually go to some, some clubs where we know um, what happens at a lot of clubs. How, did, how were you able to not get sucked in full on 100% to the worldly part of that lifestyle and that? in that business in that industry. Well, I, I, I can't tell you that I didn't. I mean, I didn't get involved in the drinking. I didn't get involved in the, the uh, you know, I didn't get involved in the drugs, but, you know, um, let's just say that there was a, there was more late night movies that were happening with females of the, uh, uh, you know, with the, uh, cause I was, dude, I was in high school, I was a reject. And, and, yeah. and my, that was my, my hangup because I, I was rejected in high school and I got told straight up, Hey, if you want to do pop music, you got to be better looking than that. But what I found is this, not only was dancing cool to people, but girls like guys that danced. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, in all honesty, man, that, that definitely was, that definitely was something that, that tripped me up from time to time, you know, uh, being out in that, in that area. So overall, what do you attribute to, uh, you know, just your detours aside, tripping, tripping, trips aside, you know, what do you attribute to um, you just being able to dust yourself off, get back up and keep moving forward? I think it's that constant visitation of passion. I, 
I, I, I do allow my mind to go and visualize what life's going to look like at the next level all the time. So good. So good. And when you allow yourself to go there, you physically feel it. Science has proven that you can actually experience something. You can experience a place. You can experience uh, an experience. You, you can, you can literally bring yourself to do anything. If you do a good job of visualizing, if you allow your mind to feel it, you know, uh, to sense it, to allow your senses to actually get enveloped by your mind, you can experience it. So there was, I, I, I constantly allow myself to daydream what it's going to be like when I do this. That's so good. And, and, and because of that, your you know, as a human being, we constantly move away from pain and towards pleasure. So that pleasure I was allowed to experience in my mind enough to like say, okay, this, this sucks. I don't like this pain, but man, do I really like that pleasure over there? And I'll go for that all the time. That's good. Well, man, Jesse, it has been a pleasure getting to know you even more at another level, just hearing your story. Uh, It's incredible. And I know you're touching a lot of lives uh, through the, through the dance competition, but also just in personal uh, re- relating to people and, and talking to people. I know you're, you're changing the world. You're changing the world. And, um, and I'm glad you didn't give up. I'm glad some stranger came and let you know in, in the only way that probably stopped, could have stopped you from, from doing yourself in. I'm glad that God sent that, that angel mm. to let you know that you are, you are loved and you are significant. Yeah, and, um, and, and people needed to hear that. And so thank you so much for letting us do a background check, man. And, uh, and I love, I love where you're headed. All right, brother. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Wow. What an amazing story. You know, the one thing I want to focus on is that moment when he was about to jump off the bridge and that guy just wanted three minutes. He said, just give me three minutes. And there was only one thing that guy in the car could have said to Jesse at that moment to change his course. And God knew what Jesse needed. And just like me, sometimes I need to hear things from complete strangers to know that it's God speaking to me. Sometimes I can hear things from my family or friends, but they know my story. So I expect them to say certain things to encourage me. But when you hear something specific from a stranger, you, you, you have no choice but to know that, man, that's God. And God knew what Jesse needed to hear And he knew he needed to hear it at that moment. And he sent a special messenger to give him that message. We all have prisons that we live in, but most are in complete denial. Depression is a hard prison to be in. Pride's a tough one too. Pride will keep you from asking for help during your depression. In real prison where I was, you hear most of the time just to keep to to yourself and do your time your way. Do your time your way. Stay out of everybody's business. But we weren't meant to do our lives alone. We, we were meant to help each other through life. The Bible says to bear one another's burdens, to help, to help each other. Maybe you're at that moment in your life where you're about to jump off that bridge and you're thinking that everyone in your life would be much better off without you here. I've been there. I thought that before too. Just, just give me three more minutes. Just like... When God sent that special messenger to to Jesse to tell him that he was significant and loved, I'm telling you today that same message. 
Whether you're thinking of drowning yourself in the waters by jumping off a bridge or drowning yourself in Jack Daniels like I did, don't do it. God has a purpose for you in this life. He's not through with you. The Bible says God's not uh, sorry. The gifts and callings that he called you to do are irrevocable. In other words, you can't take them back. He's not sorry that he called you. He still has plans for you no matter what you've done. Don't listen to the other voices telling you that you're not worthy to be alive, that no one loves you, that you're better off dead. Those are lies. You are significant. Whether you're backslidden, drug addicted, alcoholic, or a Christian sitting in the front row that are still that's still suffering from depression, doubt. God loves you very much. You are significant. And I love you too. Like Jesse said, you were created to make an impact here on earth. We all were. Find out what that is. If you need help, get in touch with us. We can try to help you find it out. Let's pray. Father in heaven, by Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, by your spirit, we thank you for this. We thank you for Jesse and the lives that are being touched through Worldwide Dance Challenge. We we, we lift up him and his staff. We lift up his family, Lord, because there can be a lot of stress that comes with something this huge. But Lord, I thank you for allowing me to, to see that that guy in the red jacket, ripped jeans, tattoos everywhere. And I'm, I'm, I'm thankful that you allowed me to be friends with him. Lord, broaden his territory. Make his scope even larger. Make the impact that he has on this world even greater. Bless all the people that are involved in his dance classes and the dance challenge. And Lord, we lift up everyone today, no matter where they are in their faith journey or life journey, we lift them up if they are battling depression We speak joy into their lives. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, thanks again for listening. Don't forget to spread the word about the podcast. Who can you share it with today? I challenge you to to share this with one person today. And I also challenge you to rate us on Apple. If you're listening on an iPhone, rate us on Apple. And leave us a review, if you don't mind, of this podcast or just the podcast in general. All right. Uh, You can check out more pics of Jesse and all his links, social media links, if you want to follow him. If you are creative, especially dancer, performer, man, I would follow him. Uh, All his links will be on the show page website, forgivenfelons.org, background check, slash background check, uh, including the Worldwide Dance Challenge on our show page. All right. Thanks a lot. We'll see you next week. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the Background Check Podcast, brought to you by Forgiven Felons. Helping people with the past realize their future. For more information, please visit ForgivenFelons.org. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and please don't forget to subscribe so you'll never miss the latest episode. I'm J.D. Gum, and this has been Background Check.